I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from the Hairy Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 57 of Thoughts from the Hairy Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about Madison's blueprint to stop federal actions. So I'm excited to announce that I've just published a brand new ebook. And actually, it's not even available to the general public yet, only to Tenth Amendment Center members. But it will be available to everybody here in the near future. And actually, it's going to be the first in a series of books I plan on doing on Thomas Jefferson's letters. And this first volume is Volume 1, The Kentucky and Virginia Resolutions. And basically, it's just an easy-to-understand overview of 10 letters from Jefferson, uh, from his collection, that surround the Kentucky and Virginia Resolutions and Madison and Jefferson's efforts to resist the Unconstitutional Alien and Sedition Acts. And probably the most interesting thing to me about these letters was the insight that it provides into their overall strategy. We have the Kentucky and Virginia Resolutions, and this set the foundation and the principle that states could interpose or nullify unconstitutional federal acts. But this was just the first step. Madison and Jefferson had other plans, and they planned to take it to other levels. And we see that in these letters. So kind of bouncing off of that today, I wanted to just talk about basic strategy. How do we address overreaching federal actions? James Madison gave us the blueprint even before the Constitution was ratified. You see, this was a question and an issue during the ratification process. People that were opposed to the Constitution, people that were wary of the new Constitution, were asking the question. Well, they were saying, you're telling us that this federal government that you're creating is going to have limited powers. How do we know? What do we do if the federal government oversteps its bounds? What do we do if it exercises powers that aren't in the Constitution? So Madison laid out a blueprint for dealing with this situation in Federalist 46. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the relevant passage, and then what we'll do is we'll break it down into the four basic steps that Madison suggested. 
So in Federalist 46, Madison wrote, Should an unwarrantable measure of the federal government be unpopular in particular states, which would seldom fail to be the case, or even a warrantable measure be so, which may sometimes be the case, the means of opposition to it are powerful and at hand. The disquietude of the people, the repugnance and perhaps refusal to cooperate with officers of the union, the frowns of the executive magistracy of the state, the embarrassments created by legislative devices which would often be added on such occasions, would oppose in any state difficulties not to be despised, would form in a large state very serious impediments, and where the sentiments of several adjoining states happen to be in unison would present obstructions which the federal government would hardly be willing to encounter. Okay, so let's break down Madison's prescription. First off, he said, should an unwarrantable measure. Well, what does Madison mean by unwarrantable? The word literally means unjustifiable. Madison was clearly talking about federal acts with no constitutional justification. But notice something interesting. Madison implies that state governments can even resist a warrantable or justifiable federal act. So this isn't dependent on constitutionality. States have the power to even block constitutional federal acts that just happen to be unpopular or dumb. So what does Madison suggest that states do when the Fed oversteps their authority? Well, oppose it. He says the means of opposition to it are powerful and at hand. These means of opposition, he basically broke down into four different sections. First, he talks about disquietude of the people. So this would include protests and petitions generated at the grassroots level by everyday people. Madison expected that we would throw a fit when the federal government usurped power. When it does things it's not supposed to do, we should be angry. He even used the word repugnance to describe the displeasure we should feel. Inevitably, disquietude will lead to action, first at the local level, then bubbling up to the state level. So that leads us to the next step, and I think this is the most important part of Madison's blueprint. Refusal to cooperate with the officers of the union. Non-compliance. This is what we preach every day at the Tenth Amendment Center. Just say no. States do not have to implement or enforce any federal acts. And here's the thing. The feds rely on cooperation from state and local governments to do just about everything as well as individuals. And when enough people simply refuse to comply, they cannot enforce their so-called laws. And the best example of this today is the way all of the states, more than half of the states in the country, have defied federal marijuana prohibition. They've effectively nullified federal marijuana laws by simply refusing to cooperate with them. Three, Madison talks about the frowns of the executive magistracy of the state. Here Madison is envisioning governors formally protesting federal actions. So this not only raises public awareness, executive leadership often leads to the next step, legislative action. And we saw that in 1798. Prior to the passage of the Kentucky Resolutions, Governor Garrett delivered a very powerful message condemning the Alien and Sedition Acts and calling for legislative action. And that set up the passage of those Kentucky Resolutions. And that leads us to the fourth and final part of Madison's blueprint, legislative devices which would often be added on such occasions. So what exactly does Madison mean by legislative devices? 
he doesn't really make it clear. But we know they include resolutions, and resolutions are an important first step because they lay out the general principles. It's a great first strategy. It says, hey, this is wrong, and we plan on doing something about it. But resolutions themselves aren't much good unless you take another step or you're willing to take another step. So clearly, legislative devices don't stop at non-binding resolutions. Madison said these measures would create difficulties and impediments. 17th century dictionaries list obstruction as a synonym for impediment. In other words, these legislative devices would serve to block the operation of unconstitutional power. This infers actions that could include formal binding prohibitions of state or local cooperation and even outright interposition. And that means to intervene or place an agency between two positions. So that would be like direct action, physically stopping the federal government from uh, acting in some way. Now, I think strategically, in today's environment, the best step that we can take aggressively is to combine refusal to cooperate with officers of the union with legislative devices. In other words, states can pass laws that prohibit state and local cooperation with the feds. You know, take gun control. The state can say, our police, our sheriffs, our law enforcement cannot assist in any way with the enforcement of federal gun control. That's a great first step that can nullify and affect federal action because, again, the federal government depends on the states to do almost everything. So Madison gave us this powerful blueprint. He said it would create very serious impediments even in a single state. And he said if several states got together, it could create obstructions which the federal government would hardly be willing to encounter. We have a lot of power. But far too many Americans think any resistance to federal authority is some kind of rebellion. We need to recognize the true rebels are the elected officials, the federal bureaucrats, and the functionaries in D.C. who refuse to respect the constitutional limits on their power. It's time for us to take on our proper role in the system and put down this federal rebellion. As Madison said, the means are powerful and at hand. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Mary Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and spread the word. And feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas at michael.meharry at 10th Amendment And hey, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can head over to iTunes and do it for free. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.